Hi, my name's Steve and I love people who make things. On the factory next door, we don't just meet the makers, we go through their factory gates. Hello Lynn, how are you? So we're passing now rows and rows of partially built frames. Each episode focuses on one beautifully made piece and the person behind it. It's not about the money, it's about achieving what you want to achieve. We never argue. Sure we have a bit of a... Yeah, we have tense moments. <laughs> Join me. Let's go travelling. Hello and welcome to the factory next door. This week you're joining us at a pretty uncool service station by the M1. Um, though there is, there's a guy all dressed in black doing push-ups on the park bench here, which kind of adds a certain level of ninja mystery to the place, which is quite nice. Um, but we are on our way up to meet the maker of one of the coolest, sexiest objects you can get, the custom motorcycle. Before I hit the factory, though, um, I'm actually swinging by my mum and dad's because in a kind of who-do-you-think-you-are-esque twist, I've got a vague recollection that someone in our family, someone in our ancestry, had something to do with a motorbike or the development of a motorcycle. Uh, I'll try and find out about that. Uh, but beforehand, I'm going to jump in the car and get up there. In the car, we have a seven-year-old, a dog, and a cat, which is a whole different story in itself. Okay, whilst we head up the M1, have a listen to what's coming up in this week's show. Are we all ready to rock and roll? Yeah. Excellent. You look at Victorian engineering and it's like, wow, the work that they're put into making that bracket is amazing. He asked Vic for his autograph and we both laughed and then felt awful because he was actually serious. Disaster at the Brooklyn's racing track. So some people go for antique teapots. Yeah. You've got a new partner. Absolutely. Let's Best thing I ever did. <laughs> and no Frenchman has won the show three times. But, but we have. <laughs> you just answered a family mystery. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I dropped the kids off and got the lowdown on my family's motorcycle history. I'll fill you in on that a little bit later. Now... Uh, uh, now, actually, I'm going nowhere. There's a big traffic jam. Welcome to North Yorkshire, where it's very sunny. I'm told it's always sunny up here. Um, and I'm stood outside of uh, one story factory uh, made of yellow bricks. Um, I'm told, actually, it used to be a tractor repair workshop. Uh, they've got these two big green doors which they would uh, presumably have wheeled in the, the tractors. But these days, in this factory, it's a very different type of vehicle that they are building. And I'm just going to go in to say hello to meet the makers. Hello, Lynn. How are you? Hello, Steve, and I'm fine, thanks. Thanks for coming. And Vic, lovely to meet you as well. You and all. Are you all right? And what an extraordinary, extraordinary workshop. What I see is maybe one, two, three, four, five bikes, some fully built, some partially built, um, beautiful, bright chrome, 
lovely painting on some of them. I see machines all around us and I see just masses of trophies. Just, I'm not even gonna try and count them actually, there's way too many, but I, you just have to trust me, a lot of trophies. The names are sort of choppers, bobbers. They all have a slightly different name to them. This one we're looking at now is definitely a chop. It's a highly engined Frisco style chop. Would it be really rude of me to say that they remind me of kind of the bikes you see on Easy Rider and things like that? Not at all. That's a, this, is, this one particularly is exactly where that's coming from. It's sort of a, a Frisco based style 70s sort of an earlier chopper. Yeah. What's the mix between kind of new pieces and old recycled elements on a custom bike? No, we, we recycle a lot of parts really. This motor here is, I mean, it may look new, but I've gone right through that, and that'll be a 30-year-old, 1340 Harley-Davidson Evo engine. I mean, that looks absolutely brand new. It's been gone right through. The one next to it actually is brand new. So you've got one that'll be less than a year old and one that's 30 years old. This engine here that we're building, this is a... World War II, Canadian Army, is it a WLC? Yeah, 1943, I think this one. And so it looks just like brand new. So, so this piece here that you're holding is a piece of a motorbike built in 1943. This will have done service somewhere, yeah, for the Canadian Army, somewhere in 1943, yeah. That little bit there. Still got the green paint. It, it, must, <laughs> it must take a lot of time, care and patience to be able to take pieces which are, what, 16? No, no. 80, 80, 80 years, years old. old, yes, yeah. Hugely ecologically friendly because you can, you can reuse them almost endlessly. As we're, um, as we're chatting and you're showing me around here, I see that you're, you're constantly polishing with something in your hand, <laughs> always with a cloth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, <laughs> usually fiddling with something. Tell me about some of these trophies you've got up here. Oh, Probably the most significant one is the one on the second shelf down in the middle. And that was Vic's first best in show trophy. He won that in the year 2000. Yeah. It's interesting because that's the one which is, it, it is also slightly faded, isn't it? It's yeah. not quite as polished as the others. Yeah. For an Englishman, I think one of our best achievements is three big trophies up there from a, a French show to us. It's like a, an Americana sort of spectacle. They have everything there from rodeo riding, rodeo. tractor pulling, it's the whole thing. And no Frenchman has won the show three times. But, you uh, but we have. <laughs> the best paint, the best finish, the best engineering, the, it has to be the best of everything to win that, so that uh, was quite nice. That's amazing, so you win that and they still let you out the country. And still, yeah, <laughs> and they still invite us back to France, so that's quite good, yeah. So we've just sat down for a little chat and there's uh, a beautiful bike next to us and Vic has literally just been stroking it like, <laughs> <laughs> like it was a beautiful little baby, just stroking the back tyre. It was that, exactly, it was that back tyre. There was muck on there when I brought it in. Yeah. <laughs> Do you find yourself just doing that? Just a little stroke. <laughs> Endlessly. <laughs> um, okay, 
first off, actually, I just want to know about the, the history of Destiny Cycles. You know, kind of how did we get here? How did we get to this point? Then, I suppose, we'll have to rewind right back to the road racing. Yes. I started sidecar road racing in, it would be maybe 1987 87 ish, yeah. And I bought an outfit from Lynn and at that time her ex husband. And it all started from there, really. Vic was always way faster than <laughs> me and my ex husband were. It was <laughs> when he first started, we used to call them the Dangerous Brothers because he and his passenger had come flying past you on the straight, and then you get to the corner and he'll have spun off. But he really <laughs> found his limits. We did the sidecar road racing, obviously, separately. Uh, both doing sort of international events, Isle of Man TT. And then, like a lot, without sponsorship, you run out of money yeah. and it, it all stops. I ended up moving down to Brackley for a while. Came back up to visit friends who lived near Thursk and bumped into Lynn. At a car boot sale. I always say it was my best car, <laughs> car boot sale acquisition. Did you get a real bargain <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did. We had kept in contact a little bit, but sort yeah. of, yeah. Yeah, just maybe once a year, New yeah. Year's Eve. Yeah, you give me a ring or something. So some people go for antique teapots. Yeah. You've got a new partner. Absolutely. Let's best thing I ever did. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's antique, yeah. We were both single and decided to go to the Rock and Blues, which is a... a a bike show come music festival in Derbyshire and we left there as more than friends we did and that's where it started I looked around their custom show and I looked around the bikes in the show and thought ah, I could have a, a go at this really and then within three years we won best in show and it was like well even if you try it for a year try it see what happens and 23 years later here we still are hang on tell me I mean, you know, did you, did you, how did you just start building a, 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 a bike? At the time I was working as an agriculture engineer and I had a, a workshop I could use for fabricating, frame building, one thing or another. And in Lynn's, uh, well, no, the was, garage at home, yeah. yeah, there was an old Triumph engine that had sat for years and done nothing at all. Yeah. I said, can I have that? <laughs> yes, you can have it. And we used the Triumph engine and built a really radical chop. And yeah. At what point did you realise this is going to be our lives from now on? I'm not sure. No, I don't know really. I think Some just of as, as just disappear, the, don't they? Yeah. This is a trouble. You, I don't think you ever realised that. To be fair. No, the work just kept coming, didn't yeah. it? And what, what has happened to that bike, the first bike? <laughs> well, and shame to say, it actually just stood in our top shed, didn't yeah. it, for a lot of it deteriorating. And then I saw him one day walking out with the swing arm. No, with the frame. And I said, where are you going with that? He said, to the tip. I said, you are kidding. This is part of your heritage, it's your, your business's history. So unfortunately, the swing arm, it was too late, that had already gone. <laughs> but I've managed to salvage the actual frame and the tank. So that is still in our top shed. <laughs> I would have thought 
you would have this really strong emotional attachment to every bike you build. I do. Vic doesn't. The second <laughs> it's built, well, even before it's finished, he's thinking the next one, the one after that. It just, it's just got such... I'm probably about, in, in my head, I'm probably about four bikes at least ahead of myself. It's just so creative. And it's... I love to finish them. I love to take them somewhere nice, whether it be Motorcycle Live at the NEC or some big show where where you can put it there, walk away maybe 20 yards, turn around, look at it and think, yeah, that's not bad. Then it's just next. Yeah. If it Literally, if it disappeared in a puff of smoke there and then, it wouldn't matter. And... and Presumably, I'm, I'm guessing here, but some customers are really heavily involved and some customers are quite light touch, are they? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Some people come with a lot of different ideas that we sort of maybe hone a little bit yeah. and sort of maybe make just reality a little bit more yeah. reachable. Uh, and others just say, we love everything you do, build me a bike. Yeah. yeah. How do you handle that conversation where some rather small... Oh, we comes in and, well, luckily, and asks for with, a huge with, chop. With being from Yorkshire, you see, we are fairly blunt, so it, it works quite well. <laughs> it's like, no, I don't really think with your leg length that would be very clever, really. <laughs> How proud are you of Destiny Cycles? I am hugely proud of Vic and what he's achieved. Hugely. Uh, yeah. I can't yeah, I'm tell probably you. not as proud as I should be, really. No, you're not. It just... I don't think you appreciate what you've done and what you have achieved because you're just you doing what you do aren't you yeah there you go i mean just for a little example we were at um at an auto jumble a couple of weeks ago and a guy came up and was chatting and he asked vic for his autograph and we both laughed and then felt off because he was actually serious and it was like well yes but you've been on tv and you you you're sort of a you're probably one of the best british builders and you know we didn't have anything for Vic to sign. So what we ended up doing was we said, well, give us your address. We went home, printed a couple of photographs out of Platinum, which is our 20th anniversary bike. And I got Vic to sign them and we posted them to him. So staying grounded, tremendously important. I know, very typical Yorkshire trait. <laughs> but I, I find it surprising perhaps that you can't look around here, see these trophies or see this extraordinary bike here and not feel proud and not think I did that or we did that I, I feel it for Vic like I say I am incredibly proud of his ability, his attention to detail, just the fact that he can set off with a piece of tube and end up with a beautiful frame because not having had any artistic qualification or training obviously he's got the mechanical but that is, that's an intrinsic part of him. He made a, an accelerator cable splitter. And it was beautiful. And it's such a, a basic, small part of the bike. But it was, it was beautiful. Well, I'm lucky in the way that, obviously, Lynn supports me very much so. But because we have low overheads, it gives me the luxury of time yeah. to be able to make the parts where if you had lots of pressure, lots of stress, you, you physically couldn't make them because it isn't economical to make them. 
No. You know, in the real world, I'm working on for pennies, I suppose. But it's not about that. It's, it's not about yeah. Thing. It's not about the money. It's about achieving what you want to achieve, and not just grabbing a part and bolting it on. It's just make something that fits, make it look nice. You look at Victorian engineering, and it's like, wow. The work that they're put into making that bracket is amazing. Yeah. You know, and it's sort of... Just a fundamental basic But that's item. nearly been lost, hasn't it? Because it has to be produced quickly, cheaply. Yeah. And sort of, yeah. So I'm going to jump out of this chat for a moment. And that's because talking about the Victorians now feels a good time to tell you about my family's motorbike history. So I popped home and my mum gave me four things. A family tree a printout of a patent for a motorcycle part, a family story, and a cheese sandwich for my drive. I'm gonna start with the family tree, and bear with me here, it's a real who do you think you are moment. So let's cue the emotive music. So going up through my mother's side, in terms of men, the tree goes Alan, Charles, Herbert, Francis, Michael, and John, 1778 to 1833. So my granddad, six times, has a brother called Jonathan. Go back down his side of the family and you come to Henry and James Wardle, born in the late 1800s. And they grew up and designed a motorbike, the Wardle bike. The printout of the patent means nothing to me but I'm gonna ambush Vic and Lynn with that in a moment. And the family story, well, to help bring that to life, I've turned it into an imaginary news report for you. Have a listen to this. Disaster at the Brooklyn's racing track. Britain's motorcycling industry suffered a setback today at the world's famous Brooklyn's racing track in Surrey, southwest England. The 2.7-mile circuit has been the scene of numerous motorcar world speed records since its opening in 1907. But there were no celebrations for motorcycle designers Henry and James Wardle. The brothers have garnered much publicity in recent years after launching their Wardle motorcycle with its unusual two-stroke engine in 1923. Henry and James travelled down from their garage in Yorkshire to show off the motorcycle to two potential investors who had flown in from Boston in the United States of America. It is believed one of the brothers had originally planned to race the bike today in front of the distinguished guests, but it's understood at the last moment a Brooklyn's test rider was employed to race the bike instead. Unfortunately, with the American investors looking on, the Brooklyn's rider crashed the Wardle bike on one of the circuit's famous banked turns. The investors left the circuit shortly thereafter. Having been told the investors had gone, James Wardle said, Aye, some dreams don't come true. I hope one day... A distant relative of mine don't quit his job dreaming of launching a podcast about people making beautiful things. Okay, so I made up that last part, but the rest is true. Let's get back to Vic and Lynn. I mean, on this show, we talk a lot about the pursuit of perfection. We meet people who are just trying to do the very best at one particular thing. Tell me what the pursuit of perfection means to you. I think you've just said it, really. Yeah, it's, it's just, just being happy with what you've and made. And doing the, the very best you can actually do. Yeah. And being happy with what you've made. But is there happiness pursuing perfection? Yes. 
an amount of frustration as well. Yeah, there is, yeah. There's definitely frustration along the way. We have no heating in here. <laughs> so I've come in here when that thermometer up on the wall has been sort of minus eight. It's been minus 12 it has. on winter. Some days I come in and it's below, it'll be maybe minus five and it'll still be minus two when I go home at tea time. But them days are just washed away on days like this, sunny days when you're doing something nice. And when you go to a show with that bike, them days are forgotten. Yeah, it's just like, yeah. What's the most beautiful bike you've seen? Of our own or, no, or, or in, just in general? Because there are beautiful bikes all over the world. Yeah, what's he called, the young lad from Holland? Paul, Paul. at LNL Choppers. Yeah, I mean, he's only a young lad and I look at his stuff and I think... <laughs> he's probably in his 30s, actually. <laughs> but, <yeah>. but, <laughs> he's but, young too. For us. a custom builder, it's young because you have to yeah. own all the... There's lots of things that you can't just be born to do, isn't there? Your exhaust making, your frame building, you're making handlebars. You, it's sort of, and all these things you have to be good at, haven't you? How long, and I don't want this to sound kind of fatalistic, sorry. <laughs> how, how long are you going to continue doing Destiny Cycles? I would think probably in some form until I drop. Yeah. <laughs> I maybe won't be doing so much of the mucky work, the polishing, the grinding and hacking. I would like to do maybe more engine work, the cleaner type of side of it, but it'll... You'll it'll, never stop. No, it'll be on the go as long as we are. Yeah. Yeah. It's because, as you it is a lifestyle thing. It's not... Our accountant, actually, when he first took us on, he said, well, mm, I could tell you how to make money. He said, but that's not what it's about for you too, is it? It's a lifestyle thing. And it, he understood instantly, yeah. didn't he? And it, it is, it, it's, it's the people, it's the people you go out and meet. I mean, we, we go to Europe and meet up with friends that we either saw last year or 10 years ago. And it's just, you all get together and it's just a nice weekend and that's what it's all about, really. And it, it's just a nice circle to be in. Yeah. Well, from the outside looking in, it sounds like you have an extraordinary, beautiful, happy lifestyle. Well, we do. Yeah. Why is it called Destiny Cycles, by the way? <laughs> I used to get my stainless steel from the suppliers at Moulton. A lovely family. Called, family business. Yeah, called Chapman's. And their son, I'd gone in for some stainless steel tubing to make some exhaust systems out of. And I told him the story of me and Lynn getting together. And he said, oh, so it's destiny, is it? And it was destiny cycles. And that's like, that's what the yeah. business is going to be called. Destiny cycles. Yeah. It's a bit more attractive than car boot cycles. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Before I let you go, um, I think I mentioned to you that, you know, kind of one of my ancestors I've discovered did something with motorbikes. And so I was shown a patent that apparently was registered for a motorbike, mo motorbike part. It means nothing to me. Can I show you the patent? Yes, okay. please. Can you try and tell me what it is? Yeah. yeah. If, if <laughs> well, we, we can, can, we if will. We, if we can. <laughs> What on earth does that mean? Annual pump piston, compressors and extension, annual, annual clearance space. It's sort of like a recirculator yeah, it thing, is, yeah. isn't it? It's a, 
Well, it's a decompressor, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, but it's working off the exhaust. So it's like an exhaust brake. So when you were going down a hill, if your brakes actually worked quite up to it, you could pull the little lever, it opened a valve on the top which released the compression out of the engine and slowed you down without the brakes. There you go, you just answered a family mystery. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's an exhaust-operated decompressor valve, yeah. We are truly a nation of <laughs> creators and innovators, aren't we? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Vic, Lynn, thank you so much for chatting to me. It's been a huge pleasure. Well, it's been thank lovely to be here. Thank you very much for coming. You. No, thank you, you. appreciate it. I loved hanging out with Vic and Lynn, and I hope you loved listening in on our chat. Big love for joining us. For those who are hitting the subscribe button, rating the show, reviewing the show, it really does genuinely make a difference. Remember, we're on Instagram, The Factory Next Door. Thanks again, and please do join us next time. All the best. Oh, and the cheese sandwich? It was uh, Wensleydale and tomato. Very nice. <laughs>